Okay. All right. We are starting a new, I think, three-week sermon series that Pastor Paul will explain today as we start the year. Very exciting. Uh, and so uh, we're going to get started. Let's open up our Bibles, please. We're going to jump to the Old Testament. To, we're going to look at a psalm together. Psalm 19. Psalm 19. And I'll be reading this for us. I'll be reading the ESV version. Um, and just a reminder as we read this that this is the Word of God. Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect. Verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Verse 6. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Verse 11, Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Thanks, Peter. And again, Happy New Year's. Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, I don't know about you. It feels, doesn't feel like a new year. I was speaking to Hannah before service. Um, and we're like, it doesn't feel like the new year. Right? I don't know if that's what it felt like for you. It's been a crazy uh, 2021. I'm just glad that 2021's done right? and that we can look to 2022. Now, as we begin 2022, it's good to reflect on the last year. Right, to think back and you know, just question what it was like, uh, the highlights and the struggles that we faced. But the question I want to present to you today is, how was your love for Jesus in 2021? Right, so how was your love? How was your passion, your desire for Jesus when you look at 2021 as a whole? In our Kingsway, our mission statement is, Yes. Okay. All right. Great. I'm, I'm confident. Love the king and live his way. Right? That's our mission statement. That's what we're trying to do as a church. We're trying to help you to do that. We're trying to do that in ourselves as Christians. Love the king, live his way. Right? And that's why it's king's way. Love the king, live his way. Now, love the king is first. And that's purposeful because it's foundational to living his way. Right? You need to love the king you need to have that desire, that relationship, in order for you to then go on and do the things that he tells you to do, right? That comes first. So, how was your love for the king in 2021? 
Now, as I spoke to people, you know, through the year, especially in November, I think I spoke to like over 30 people when we were calling up and making sure people were okay. Um, and I, I had a group of you. If, if, you didn't, if I didn't speak to you, it's because you weren't in my group. But, you know, as I spoke to people, the general consensus I received was that this year's been tough on our faith. Right? Most people have taken steps back. Right? And understandably, last year was a crazy year. We spent nearly half our time in lockdown. It was tough to you know, gather as a church, to see each other face-to-face like church is meant to be. On top of that, life through struggles and you know, confusion and difficulty into us. And we weren't able to go through it together. So in a sense, it's understandable that our faith took a step back. But as we start off 2022... Uh, My desire is that by the end of this year, our love for Jesus would have grown, right? That we would start there, right? Striving to love the King. And I want us to begin as we start this year to really rekindle that fire and passion for Jesus. And that's important, right? Because without that, right, living his way, right, won't happen. And so as we begin the year, I want to remind us to love the King. Now, in the last week of this month, so last week of January, we're going to um, kind of present to you, the, the pastoral team will present to you what we think should be the focus for this year. Uh, but before we even get to that, we need to begin here. Right? We need to love the King. Right? That's what should motivate and drive everything else we do. And so how do you do that? How do I rekindle my love and my passion for Jesus? And that's what I want to try to address in these next three weeks, right? And the series is going to be called that that dramatic reveal. Um, It's called Fan the Flame, right? To fan the flame in our hearts, right, for Jesus. Now, how do you start fire, right? This analogy of fire. There's four things you need, right? Three are really essential to create the environment needed for fire to take place. The three things are wood, air, and covering. You need wood, which is the fuel. You need air, you need oxygen for fire to exist. And you need to protect it. You need to have some sort of covering from the outside elements so it won't blow away. And if you have that environment, and then you get a spark, it will come alight. And if you maintain that environment, the fire will keep burning. If you have, don't have any of these three, like if even one is just missing, the fire will not light or it will go out. Right? If you run out of, fu- out of fuel, you run out of wood, right, the fire will dissipate. Run out of air, it will get quenched. You don't have covering, something will come along and it will blow the fire out. Now our fire for Jesus is the same. We need three things at least for our hearts to burn for Jesus. And if you're a Christian, you know these things. These are the core, foundational, essential things Christians are always told to do. You need to do this, right? You need to have this in your life. Now, what are the three things? The word is the wood. Prayer is the air. And community is the covering. And so these three things we need for the fire to start and for the fire to keep burning. And the fire is the spirit. And when the spirit comes, our hearts will burn. So these three things are what I, want, what I want to talk about for the next three weeks. Today, let's talk about the word, which is the wood. Now, as I look back over the last two years, you know, as we've been ch- uh, church planting, something I've been really thankful for are the voices of people in my life. 
right, which I didn't have actually, I think, for the first six years of ministry, right? I, I did a little bit, but not too much. Right? For the first six years of kind of doing pastoral work, I felt like I was trying to figure out things by myself. I had a lot of questions, very few answers, so I did a lot of Googling, did a lot of reading, but I didn't feel like I had people to ask questions to, like mentors or coaches that will be able to guide me. Well, for the last two years, I've, I've had that, and it's been really awesome for me. Uh, we've connected with Geneva Push. We planted through that church network, and they provided me like a coach that I speak to every month. Just having an outside voice to encourage, to guide, even to rebuke has been helpful for me. Right? I've been connected through FIC, which is our denomination, right? other pastors where I can just learn things off them. I actually reached out to a random pastor. And I'm like, I want to ask you questions about how you do your growth groups. I'm going to talk to him next week. And so it's helpful to have these outside voices into my life. I don't know if you remember Pastor Dave Lee. He's from America. Right? He, I speak to him every couple of months. Right? He gives me a few hours, and he just guides me, and I just throw in questions, and he answers stuff for me. Right? And you probably know this for your own work as well, in your own life. Having outside voices is really helpful. Right? We have this in Kingsway as well, the interim council. Right, speaking wisdom into the decisions we make into church, my pastoral team. Right, it's so important because those voices shape your life, your mind, and your decisions. And trying to navigate life by yourself, right, you're going to end up probably in a very bad place. Right, but for Christians, what we have the privilege of having access to is not just the voices of smart or wise men and women, but that we have access to the voice of God. Right? That you and I can have God's guidance, His wisdom, His encouragement, His affirmation, assurance, and His rebuke in our lives. What a privilege. And that's the thing that we need, right? That's what I'm going to talk about. We need that word, that voice in our life. Now, in Psalm 19... David talks about kind of three voices, and the first one is creation's voice. Creation's voice, verse one. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Now, this is, sounds a little wacky, because David's saying, hey, the sky's talking, the heavens are declaring something. But David is using poetic language to show something. And what he's saying is that creation has a voice. Not a verbal voice, but it's speaking. It's saying something. Now, it's across space, the heavens and the sky, right, everywhere. It's across time, day to day and night to night. In verse 4, their voice goes out through all the earth, their words to the end of the world. Right? Everywhere, all the time, morning and night, everything around us is speaking. Their voice and their words are going out. But what are they talking about? David says, they declare the glory of God and they proclaim his handiwork. Creation is speaking all the time, but what it's speaking about is God and his glory and how beautiful he is. That's what he's saying. Now, unlike the, um, the ancients, right, the old people, the long, long time ago who look at creation and say, oh, look at the sun, it's, it's amazing, let's worship the sun, David's doing something else. He's not worshiping creation, he's saying creation is worshiping something else, and that is God. 
But unlike us who are modern, we look at creation and we're like, oh, we can explain the sun, we can explain the wind, we can understand this stuff. David comes to creation with a sense of awe and wonder. Wow, look at the things around us. Look how beautiful they are, and look how they project the beauty of our God. Right? God, he says, is beautiful. Right? It reminds me of Romans 1.20. The Apostle Paul says, For God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Right? He's saying the things that have been made clearly show God's attributes, namely his power and his divine nature. Go out, he's saying, and you can see certain things about God that creation will show you. God's power, God's beauty, God's intelligent design as he has made different creatures. Right? If you've got a magnifying glass or you know, the new, new phone with macro mode, you look at the small details of the things around you and you think, wow, God has created the intricacies of this world. And when was the last time you went out and you enjoyed creation? And you allowed it to speak to you about the power and awesomeness of God. All right, that's difficult for us, right? We don't work out in the fields. We work out in concrete jungles, in man-made cubicles, or staring at screens. Uh, we don't go to parks. They've been replaced with pavements. Right, we're looking at not the stars. We're looking at the screens. Right, it takes a little bit of effort for us to go out and enjoy what God has made. But we would remember, right, I'm sure each of us remember, breathtaking moments where you've had the time and the opportunity. Maybe you did a big hike, you climbed a big hill or a mountain, and you looked out at creation. You're like, wow, that's beautiful. Or you stood at the, the foot of a waterfall as water's pounding down into the water below it. And you're just like, wow, this has been, this just continues on, even if I never noticed and this is a small part of what God has made. Or look at a quiet sunset, a sunrise, or a starry night, and you wonder about the hands that have made it. All of these things are awesome only because an awesome God has made them. And as you look at creation, it tells us something about God. And yet, creation's voice is not enough. Right? If you look at what David says, it's interesting. Because in verse 1 to 2 and 4, he's talking about how the heavens declare, the skies proclaim, they pour out speech, etc., their voice and their words. But in verse 3, wedged right in the middle, he says, There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. David is saying, wedged into the middle, that creation, in a sense, it doesn't speak. Which is a paradox. He's saying creation speaks, but it doesn't speak. Because creation does say something, but what it says is not clear enough. It's not detailed enough for us to really know God. Right? Creation and its voice is insufficient. Right, if each of us, we went out this week and we tried to learn about God through creation, we might learn some things, some broad things. But if that's all we had to learn about God, after a while, we'd end up in weird places. 
right? Because some of us, we'd, I don't know, we'd go out and it'd be a cold day and we'd say, God's cold, right? God's cold to me. I, I just, I, the weather, if you look at that, the wind, God's cold, right? He, he, he's turned his back on me. Or some of us, we'd go out on a 40 degree weather and we'd say, God's angry. His anger is, is, is raining down on me. That's what God is like. Right, if you went out on a perfect day, you'd say, God's warm and he's covering me with his arms. Right? We'd all come to different conclusions about who he really is. It will fail because creation, even at this very moment, is not perfect. It's been touched by sin. And we see things that don't actually resemble God, but it reflects sin. Tsunamis, earthquakes, the brokenness of the world is more a reflection of sin than God. And so if we try to take everything from creation and, take, and learn about God from there, it would not be enough. And that's why the psalm doesn't stop here. But David keeps going. Now, we call this general revelation, what anyone can see anytime. You go out and you can see it. But David's now going to talk about what we call special revelation. This is where God goes out of his way to speak to mankind. Right, we're going to look at God's voice. Ever since the beginning of time, our God has been a God who speaks. The fact that we can see creation is because God spoke first. Right? In the beginning, right, what he, God said, let there be. And that's why creation exists. But God didn't stop there. He kept speaking to mankind. If you look through the Old Testament, God is always speaking into our lives. Now in the Old Testament, it was through visions, dreams, prophets, Sometimes donkeys, right? He'd speak through various means. But in the New Testament, he speaks through Jesus Christ. And for us, he speaks through the word. All of what God has done and said that he feels relevant to us is found in the scriptures. Now we call this, what do we call this? God's word. Right? I, I was sitting there thinking about it. I was like, wow, this why do we call this God's word? Because we believe that when we open it up and we read it, God is speaking to me. Right? Isn't that crazy? I was like, wow, that's amazing. Right? And I'm a pastor. I think we forget that. Right? In your bag right now, on your shelf right now, right? On your mobile devices right now. Right? Probably on the fifth page, right? Scrolling right to the back, not on the front page. God's word. And you have access to that. Now, I asked before, when's the last time you enjoyed the creation's voice? When was the last time you enjoyed God's voice? When you allowed God's voice to speak into your life? And Sunday doesn't count. When's the last time you let God's voice speak into your life? You know, psalm, this psalm from David is, is humbling there's so much in here, but when you read verse 7 to 11, it's a love poem. But not just about God. David's writing a love poem about God's word. Now, I'm just going to read what he says in verse 7 to 11. We're not going to unpack it all, but just I want you to think about this. Just let it sink in. Verse 7, the law of the Lord, right? So God's word for us. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. 
The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Now, when I read that for me, I'm like, does he have the same Bible that I have? Because the way he talks about God's word is like he's gushing over it. He's amazed by it. It's the most important thing to him. He cherishes it. He delights in it. David took time off from whatever busy life he had, and he's a king to write this love poem about God's word. You know what, what do you wanna to do today? I've got the day off, it's Christmas, it's New Year's, I've got a bit of time on my hand, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna write down how much I love God's word. And he pens this psalm, because that's how beautiful God and his word is to him. Oftentimes, for me, I think creation's voice is much more appealing than God's voice. I'd rather sit out in the sun and enjoy the beach and the rain. Uh, the, the, not the rain. Actually, I like the rain too because I'm a little bit of an emo. Whatever, whatever you like, you know, you just go and enjoy it rather than God's voice into my life. But that's not the way it's meant to be. This is God's word. What it's meant to be is like what David writes here, God's voice. Now, I just want to point out two things that he says in verse 10. He says God's voice is more precious than gold even much fine gold. The NIV says, more precious than gold than much pure gold. David says God's word is more precious than gold. Now, why does he talk about gold? For David, in his time, gold was the most valuable, most precious thing that you could have, right? You find a nugget of gold, you're well off, right? You'd use it to build things, make things, barter things. For the modern equivalent for us, it's probably money. Right, what's most valuable for us? Uh, for most people in this world, if you were to ask them what's most important to you, priority number one, money. Right, maybe you say family, relationships, da da da, but money. Right, you found a genie, you dug it up, you rubbed it, genie says, I give you one thing, what do you want? Most of us, we probably wouldn't have to think long. We've been waiting for this moment, for the genie to arrive. $100 billion. It'd get rid of so many of my problems, right? Life would be so good, money. It's most valuable to us. And whatever is most valuable to us will shape and influence everything else underneath it. Right? So whatever it is in your life, maybe money, if it's priority number one, it will shape everything underneath it. So if it's money, it will shape what kind of job you have and whether you're satisfied with it. It'll probably shape your relationships, the people you try to network with. Are these people worth my time? Right, that will influence that. It will affect your time, your energy, what's priority. It affects what you're willing to sacrifice. Because this is important, I'm going to sacrifice this. Right, but what, what David says is God's word is meant to be most valuable, even more than money. David says he's discovered something more valuable, more precious, more rewarding than even money. And if it is, then that should affect everything else underneath. 
God's word should affect money and job and relationships, time, energy, and what you're willing to sacrifice. That's the way it's meant to be. Now, God's word is valuable because when we dig into the word, it will offer to us things that the world can never offer to us. It will expose things in our lives that we were blind to, like sin, things that we worship, things that have chained us down that we need to let go of. It will reveal to you the path that will lead to eternal life. What can be more valuable than that? It will lead you to a life that is full, right? that is contrary to what the world thinks a full life is like. All of that is ours in the Word of God. Now, here's the thing. I think, you know, when David says gold, He's trying to say two things, I think. He's, number one, he's saying gold is so valuable. You know that, right? Money is valuable. God's word is even more. Right? To make a point about how valuable this, the word is. But at the same time, he challenges us. Knowing that for the common person, money is most valuable. The question for the Christian is, is it still the most valuable or is it God's word? Because money tends to be most valuable, that's what's going to battle your heart, right, for the throne of your heart. Is it God's word or is it gold? Now, when we say things like, I'm too busy, you know, to spend time with God in his word, right? When you think about 2021, I was so busy, right? There's a priority problem there. But oftentimes we say, I'm too busy with work to have time for God. Right? And that's a, a complicated situation, and that's something you need to dig into. Maybe it's a seasonal thing, or maybe it's going to pass, and you know, that's okay. But you really need a question, is it a priority problem in your heart where you've made job, money, priority over God's word? Again, because if money is priority, it will shape everything else in your life. It will shape what you sacrifice. And oftentimes, money drives our life, and we're willing to sacrifice God. And if that's the case, what David is saying is not true in your life. Money shouldn't shape your job, your time, your commitments, your priorities. God's word and God should shape your job and your money and your time and your sacrifice. Right, Jesus says, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve God and money. And I'll say for most of us in this room, this is the battle. It's not anything else. It's money. And whether we're driven by that or God. And you cannot have both. Or you can have both. You can't serve both. Or one will submit to the other and one will rule over the other. And the Christian way is to let God rule over everything. So does God's voice have that high place in your life? I encourage you in 2022 to let it. The second thing um, David says is about how God's word is sweeter than honey. Now, there are things in life that are valuable, that are good for you, that we hate. Right? Vegetables for some people. You're like, oh, it's good for me. And through gritted teeth, you'll, you'll eat it. But you're like, oh, I hate it. Or like dentists, right? 
like a necessary evil, dentists, no, not dentists, right, they're, they're not evil, but you know, going to the dentist, I feel like it's, it's like it's painful, it's a necessary evil, um, but it's good for me. Sometimes we feel like the God of the word, uh, God's word is like that, right? It's like, ah, just had a sermon, have to read the Bible, Oh, it's like, okay, fine, I'll spend some time and I'll just read through whatever I'm meant to read through. I'll force myself into it. I did it. I didn't like it. It's meant to be good for me. Done. That's not how David talks about God's word. Right in verse 10. God's word is to be desired more than gold, even much fine gold. It's sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Not only is God's word most valuable, more than gold, it's most desirable, more than honey. Now, in David's world, in a world without chocolate and ice cream and lollies, the most desirable thing that you can find in the natural world, honey, right? You run into a bee's nest with honey, oh, delicious. I crave it, I long for it, right? My soul desires it. That's what David is saying. But the word of God is even more desirable than that. It's not a vegetable you force down. In an ideal world, when we have a right relationship with God and His Word, it's not something I force, it's something I long for. Oh, I just can't wait to go home and have that big bowl of ice cream. I can't wait to go home and dig into the Word of God. The sad reality is, even for me, it doesn't always feel that way, right? If we're just honest. Sometimes it does feel like a chore, something I have to do. That's not the way it's meant to be. When we have a good, right relationship with God, and we kind of push through those barriers, and we get to discover the goodness of His Word, it is sweet, sweeter than honey. Again, the Word of God offers us something the world cannot offer us, sweet comfort and joy and hope and assurance that comes from the word is sweeter than anything else the world can give you. It's more satisfying than anything else that the word world can give to you. And sometimes you speak to people who have gone through a good kind of habit of spending time in God's word, not because it's a chore. They've got to a place where they are able to enjoy it and they speak about God's word like it is beautiful to them. They can't wait to get into God's word. And if you don't know what that's like. But the only thing I can really say is you need to try it. Right? I can only describe to you, I, I, we made some brownies yesterday, um, Jill's brownies that she took some of us through during lockdown, Jill's fudge brownies, and we made it, and I can describe to you the taste and how it's crunchy on the outside and soft on the inside and the chocolate melts in your mouth and it's so sweet. And I can describe it to you, but at a certain point for you to understand you need to taste it yourself. Right? You need to get into it. What does Psalm 119 say? How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Right? You need to experience it for yourself. Psalm 34, the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And maybe for you in 2022, what you need to do is you need to experience it for yourself. Right? Really fight to get into the word, push through the barriers that you might face initially and taste and see, experience what it is to say the word of God is sweeter than honey. 
You know, at the end of the day, we're called into a relationship with God. Right? This isn't just, you know, we're not just ticking boxes. We're not just doing things. You know, when you think about a relationship with anyone, you need to spend time with them. And you need to sit down and listen to them and know what they like, know, what know what, who, who they are. You, you need to do that. And, and for us to have a relationship with God, you can't have that if you don't sit down with him and listen to him. Right? It's just basic one-on-one relationship, right? We need to. If this year you want your relationship with God to become healthier, you want to love him and be passionate for him, you need to sit down. And you need to listen to him. Right? That's the first of three essential things to settle like the fire in your heart. And the result is, number three, your voice. And this is short. Creation's voice says something about God, but it's not enough. We need God's voice, and he speaks to us through the word. And when we are sitting under God's voice, the response is our voice will open up. In prayer, in song, in worship. This is when God begins to change us. Right? In verse 12 to 14, David starts talking about himself. And this is the way it happens. When God's voice is speaking into our lives, we are then changed. Love the king leads to live his way. Verse 12, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Right here, he's repenting. He's saying, I'm sorry, God, even for the things I don't even know I did. Verse 13, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. He's saying, God, as I look to my future, help me not to sin. Help me not to displease you. Verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And finally, he confesses, God, I just want my whole life, my words, the things in my heart, to be pleasing to you. This life is a result of this speaking into you first. When we grab a hold of God's word, it will grab a hold of us. And he will begin to change us. That's the end goal. Live his way. Now, as we talk, go through this year, we want to talk about a lot of things. A lot of things about things you need to do. A lot of things about things you need to change. But foundational before all of that is God's word speaking into your life. And then next week, prayer being the air. And then community. Those things are essential. And we need those things to love the king so that we might live his way, right? We'll begin here. Now, the challenge for us is this. I'm going to challenge us through the month of January to do this one thing. We're going to read Philippians for 10 minutes every day through the month of January. Now, you might be on a reading plan, etc. That's okay. I want to invite you to do this together with us. Now, why Philippians? I want to explain this. Why Philippians? Because it's the best book of the Bible. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm not joking. Philippians, because it's short, it's four chapters. You can read the book of Philippians in about 20 minutes. It's simple, right? Uh, compared to maybe some other letters, um, it's not that complicated. There's not much jargon in there. Um, but it's also practical and it's challenging. 
Um, third, we're not going to preach through Philippians. I was going to pick a different book that we're going to go through, but you know, we're going to go through them anyway. Maybe we'll read it together later, but we're probably not going to go through Philippians. Right? So I challenge you, read Philippians. Why 10 minutes? You know, if you're going through a reading plan, right, it's like taking you through maybe a book in a month, maybe the whole Bible in a year. Um, that's more task-based. This is time-based, just 10 minutes. Now, there are benefits for both. The benefit of doing a time-based reading is that um, when you're task-based, a lot of times it's like, I need to read this chapter by today. And what can end up happening is that you just skim read it because the goal is, I'm going to read this chapter by today. So I'm okay, done, I did it. But when it's time-based, it's not about how quickly or how much you read. It's 10 minutes. And so you get to read the Word and enjoy it for 10 minutes as slow or as quickly as you want. Right? Does that kind of make sense? It relieves you from that, you know, the hurry. If you skip a day, when it's task-based and you're going through a Bible reading plan, I don't know if you've ever tried to read the Bible in a year and you miss a week, you're going to give up. It's like, it's too much to catch up. Right? When it's time-based, it's fine. You might miss a few days or a week and you can just pick up wherever you left off. Right? There's no catching up to do. Right? And why every day? Because, you know, sometimes I think we read the Bible, we skim the surface, but we don't really get deep into it, and it doesn't get deep into our lives. And so the goal of this is to read Philippians, not just once, but as many times as you get through it through the month. And after reading through it two, three times, you'll start to, like, really kind of know Philippians. You'll start to understand it in a much deeper way. Uh, it'll be embedded into your consciousness, and as you live life, it will be on your mind. And that's what we eventually want. You want to be confronted by a situation and then Philippians pops into your mind and you're like, do not be anxious about anything. Right? And for it to then shape how you live and what you do in that circumstance. Right? Jesus was humble. Right? And I'm called to be humble right? and to respond in that kind of way. And so we're going to go through this. Ten minutes, as quick or as slow as you want. Sometimes you read a whole chapter. Sometimes you just sit on a few verses. But sit on this. You know, I was speaking to um, Will the other day. Sorry, I had to call you out. I didn't ask him. But, you know, we did this with the book of James um, a few years ago. And he was sharing how he actually did it. Um, I think we said a month, and I think he did the whole year. But he was sharing how just really kind of getting into that habit in just one book uh, really um, helped him. Right? My hope is that it would help you as well. So Philippians, 10 minutes every day through January. Right? Will you do it? Ideally, if we all do it, um, it won't just be you, but you'll be able to go to a friend at Kingsway and say, hey, are you, are you using that Philippians thing? And talk about it. Hey, are you, what, what are you up to in Philippians? Hey, what do you think this means? Because I have no idea what this means. What do you think? And, and we want to dialogue about that. Again, that's the third one, in community. Word, prayer, in community. Right? We want to be able to talk about it. And so let's do it together. Yeah, Philippians? best book of the Bible? Okay, 10 minutes every day, and let's talk about it together. That's a challenge for the month of January. Let's get into the Word of God. All right, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Let's pray. As we pray, I just want to, what new, I want to invite you if you want, to come before God and just kind of recommit yourself to spending time with Him, 
to rekindle the fire and the passion in your heart for Jesus, beginning with you know, the first part, which is the Word of God. Now, I don't want to force anyone to do anything they don't want to do. This shouldn't be a chore. But the thing is, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're sick, you don't want to eat. But if you don't eat, you'll only get sicker. And to break that cycle, you need to force yourself to eat. And when you taste food, you begin to want it. And you get back on the track to become healthier. And maybe some of us, we look at the word and it feels like a chore. But we're, our, our faith is a little bit sick. Um, and I'm trying to force food into your mouth like maybe your parents do when you're sick. Eat it. To break the cycle so that your taste buds will come alive, that you might taste and see that the Lord is good and that you might get to the place. Uh, well, get to the place again where you say, this is more valuable than gold. It is sweeter than honey. Right? And so maybe you can take that challenge this month. Why don't we pray? Ask God for help. Commit ourselves to Him. Commit this year to Him, but especially January. Stir the fire in my heart. Set the light for Jesus. Let's make that our prayer. Let's pray.